Hey, Ron. Here you go. Hey, mate. So we uh, we thought I um, that to, if we both could say our own things, but separate we will sound really dumb, but together it's gonna will be really good. Thanks for that, Ron. Yeah, good. Um, Sir. So, we, uh, yeah, we wanted to unpack, well, discipleship. What does that mean? It's a word that's thrown around a lot. If you didn't know, I'm Ryan and Mim and I, did you say this already, Mim? No, oh, we, we do the adults, but for like another couple, a month or two longer until Rachel over here takes over. Oh, can I not say that now? Is it a secret? Uh, until someone, someone takes over, we will pray for them maybe later. That's exciting. But we, uh, Mim's ha- been... Mim and I and Dan and Cherie have been passionate about this idea of discipleship and growing. Discipleship is growing. And what does it mean for us to really grow? And if you are anything like me, you could sometimes, you know, you might go to church and like within minutes, you'll forget the message. Like, sorry, Matt, but it's like, that happens. Is, any, is that only me? <laughs> Anyone? And does anyone like think they look back at the year and it's like, did I learn anything that year? You know what I mean? Does that, do people think that? Um, I personally don't, but <laughs> but it's all part of it, I guess. Yeah. And well, so I'm speaking to the people like me. Sometimes you look back and you're like, man, I couldn't remember one message. I couldn't remember one thing. And we want to speak into that. So what does it mean for us to grow? What does it mean for us to be a disciple? And is it just that I require knowledge? So I learn something in a talk and I require knowledge. And so that's why, you know, in the video you might've seen on Sunday, I talk about the Hebrew word for disciple or one of the Hebrew words for disciple is Talmud. And am I saying that right, Matt? I think so. I am. Okay. You, I, I was like, as I was making the video, I was like, man, there's going to be a lot of people that see this and uh, I hope I'm not embarrassing myself. <laughs> um, so the Hebrew word for one of the Hebrew words for disciple is Talmud. And that emphasizes the relationship between uh, the follower and the rabbi or the teacher. And that follower, the disciple's goal in, uh, in, in being a disciple is not to just acquire knowledge, not just to learn new things, not to look back and say, oh, I've learned some new stuff, not just to think, oh, okay, I've, I've, I've learned more knowledge. It's their goal was to become like the person they were following and do the things that he did, follow in his footsteps so becoming like him and following in his footsteps. And that's what we want to unpack is what does that mean for us uh, today to be people that follow in Jesus' footsteps? Because following in his footsteps, well, we're not living 2,000 years ago. So following in his footsteps is a little bit different, but following in his footsteps now, what does that look like for us to be a disciple of Jesus? So yeah, so I guess um, it's kind of funny being up here because I wouldn't think that I am... Uh, I guess, you know, we're not perfect examples, but when we brought up this topic, it actually forced me to really look at my life in discipleship and how that is structured. And over time, you do build a structure around your faith and whether it's great or small or big or small, you find yourself almost automatically doing that. And it's actually been a great process for me to go look at how Jesus interacted with his disciples and the elements or even Jesus' interactions with people who are asking him questions and the challenges that he gave them. And um, I'm like, how does that happen in in my life? And so, yeah, I found this 
this is a lot of this stuff is like self reflection and stuff that I've had to work myself over on. So um, yeah, by no means an expert, but um, I guess I desire it. So yeah. <laughs> and so we, that's what we're looking at is the desires and that we want to become like Jesus, not just learn things about him. We want to become like him. We believe that's the Holy Spirit empowers us to do that. So we're seeking to become like him. But what does the seeking to become like him really look like? What does it mean? What should our lives look like if we really are seeking to become like him? And so I just wanted to read this verse um, that is John 15. We got that bars. Oh, it's there. Okay. Um, it says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And that second part, my father is a gardener. I am the, I am the true vine. And so he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does not bear fruit he prunes so it'll be even more fruitful. So then if we are being fruitful, if we are following in Jesus' footsteps is saying that we will be pruned, which is like not a fun thing to say, but it's like he cuts off the things in us that aren't fruitful. I think people get that. It's like, okay, I need to stop sinning. But then even the things that we are fruitful, he prunes us. He's saying the gardener prunes us even where we are fruitful. And so this, I, our thought is that the seeking looks like our desire to be pruned. Are we just like, well, God, you can change me maybe if you want to, or are we desiring that we're giving even where I'm fruitful and where I'm not fruitful? God, would you cut me? God, would you prune me? Um, we probably fit into those different parts at all different times, yeah. right? Yeah. So I guess um, two parts of the disciple. I guess two spectrums are like a self-led side um, where like a there's a personal response to like when the disciples are being called by Jesus to follow him and they're, and they're responding to teachings that he's taught, there's a personal response and desire to follow him. Now, they at great cost left what they were doing, left businesses, left families, left all those kinds of things. And I guess I look at what is my desire to follow and how how do how does that look like? So, I guess at that moment where a disciple is turned to follow Christ, or when I turn to follow Christ, my love is conditional for Christ to follow Him. There, I have a an invisible conditional love line that let's say I I come to church and I want to come to church because I've got a great social. It looks like a great social place to be. Saying it's your motivations. We're looking yeah, my at what motivations, are our motivations to um, yeah. following Christ. So is that bad though? Um, well, it's if good. It, you're saying I came, I'm coming, and I just come because I think it's cool, and like the new person walks in, I was like, oh, sweet, yeah. smoky. I don't know, whatever. Is that okay? Um, I think it's well. The fact that I'm, I, I've got my, I've responded to, uh, I guess, something in the church, right? But then if someone treats me badly here, then that can turn me off. You know what I mean? So once I get into Christ's teaching and in the vicinity of that, there is a call on me to prune my heart. Say it again, the call on you to? To prune my heart so that as, as um, Christ works on my heart deeper and deeper and he calls me to harder and greater things, greater cost, like things that cost me more, 
I need to be able to, that line needs to, that conditional line needs to move further and further away from the thing that's going to turn me away from following Christ. So it's like a, yeah, an invisible line that should, and that creeping away is the pruning of my heart. So That's the change. That's the movement. So right now, if Ryan treats me poorly and starts calling me um, all sorts of things up here on stage and embarrassing me, that won't actually affect my following of Christ and my desire saying, to follow him, my desire to be like him. But 10 years ago, maybe like it would have. It could have, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, definitely could. So it's a line that moves and our motivations, they might start off bad. They might start off or like, pure. I only go yeah. to, you know, when I was 18, I went to, I went to church. I went to, you know, you guys, John Mark Comrie's been here. I went to his church when I was 18, but it wasn't like good motivations. It's because I was chasing a girl. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was chasing this, this lady and she broke up with me, but it was like, I, I, when I was going to church with her, I was like, I learned, I learned lots of things. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean, it was it bad that I went because I had the, I was totally not going for Jesus. Is it bad that I went? Well, if I was saying the same thing now, 10, 15 years later, like, yes. But back then I was just, I was a, I was a rookie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. You want to share this quote? I got this quote. Yeah, you, you, you do the quote? Yeah. No, do. We got this quote by C.S. Lewis. And, you know, if you guys have heard of mere Christianity, everyone's heard of mere Christianity. And no one's brave enough to say that they have never read it because it's like such a classic book. So I'm saying right now, I actually just read it, you know, like a month ago. Um, for the first time, I've been working, doing ministry for like 10 years. I've never read mere Christianity. Whew, okay. <laughs> you feel all right? You guys can feel okay if you can haven't read it and you can go read it because it's outstanding. Um, but he says in this, he says in this part of the book, um, oh, it's really long. It's not on the screen. He says, in it, he talks about this line, this moving line with the stuff that we are given, the stuff that we are kind of born with, like our makeup. And he says, we see only the results, which a man's choices make out of his raw material. And that's where that line sits uh, out of this, his raw material. But God does not judge him on the raw material at all, but on what he has done with it. Most of the man's psychological makeup is probably due to his body. When his body dies, all that will fall, all that will fall off him. And the real central man, the thing that shows, the thing that made the best or the worst out of this material will stand naked. All sorts of nice things which we thought our own, but were, which were really due to a good digestion, will fall off some of us. All sorts of nasty things which were due to complexes or bad health will fall off others. We shall then for the first time see, see everyone as he really was, and there will be surprises. And so what he goes, to, what he goes on to say to illustrate is that there might, you know, he, he says like there might be a, a guy who is like psychologically been messed up and he is afraid of cats, but him going and petting a cat is an act more courageous than someone going to war and dying at war. Who, because that person actually has had to overcome more, trust God more, and he's moved, he's actually moved that line that we're talking about. He's moved further in his, like that line is like our walk. He's moved further in his discipleship than the person that already was born. He, he has courage and it's just something that he naturally would have done anyways, who might've done something, but seen to the world, it looks more courageous. And so actually what God looks at, what C.S. Lewis is saying, he looks at, What's our movement? Not where we start. I might start really great. And I actually, hey, I actually look pretty good already, you know? And so I come and I come to Jesus, but what am I doing from there? 
what am I, what am I doing with the stuff that I have? And then someone who isn't born necessarily with our, with a better makeup, and they might be born with whatever things, anxiety, depression, poverty, but whatever it is, they might be born with something, but what are we doing with, what are they doing with that thing? That then that's what God's looking at. How are we growing? He's not looking at, oh, well, are you good? Are you a good person? Be saying, what are you doing with the stuff that you have? Yeah. So I'm back to like my own reflection is I've had to question like, what, what are my motivations for following Christ? Is it so that I look good? Is it so that I have the right image? Is it so that people admire me and my family? Or is it because it actually breathes life into each and every one of us in our family? Like it brings life to our family. So then I've got to then go, how willing am I to be pruned or how much do I desire for the next thing that Christ has for me? How hard am I going to chase after it? How hard am I going to learn about it? At what lengths am I willing to go to to be pruned? And so I've had to look at those those barriers. This and this is this is something we talked about when we were talking about this is that well, do you do you need to be just willing to be pruned? Like I can come to church and say, God, I'm open to it. If you want to do something, I'm open to it. Or do you need obviously being not willing is bad. It's like, no, God, I don't, it's it, we know that. And we need God to show us the places where we're not willing. Um, it's like, well, there's places I'm like, God, don't, I, I don't want you to touch that. That's bad. But do we need to be just willing? Like, okay, I'm open to it. Or do we need to be desiring it? Does it be like, do I need to be actively looking out for pruning opportunities and like seeking those out and moving into those? Or do I need to be just saying, I'm open to it, God, if you give me something, give me something, you know what I mean? I think it's a mixture of being sensitive to the opportunities that come Hmm. because we can desensitize ourselves to even say tonight, we can, we can check a box and say that we've come to the discipleship night at the granary or are we actually looking for that spot in our heart that actually either bucks or we get an overreaction or that just grinds against me, makes me feel uncomfortable and I can either just walk out that door and not do anything about it or actually go into my discipleship structure, which sounds pretty um, clinical, but and go, okay, where to from here? And so um, because there's no one, I, I think the two sides of the discipleship process is self-led and community-led, and I think we can get convicted or pruned in both, but I think there's a mixture of both that needs to happen for, for it to actually. You're saying to some extent we should be seeking that out. Yes. Yeah. Not just being, God, I'm open to it. Yeah. Because that's been, I've been said, God, I'm open to it, but I'm not looking for it, meaning it's kind of apathetic. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. I'll just, if you really, you know, it's like if every star aligns, then I'll grow, you know, and that can be our attitude. It's like, Okay, if I get a shooting star here and this person says the exact right thing and the preacher says this thing exactly and it's the right person out for prayer, not if it's that other person, you know, I don't want to pray. Well, the lights are blue. The lights are, you know what I mean? The lights are blue. It's like if all of the stars line, then I'm open to being pruned. But it's like, actually, if we are openly, we're seeking out, God, Mm. what do you want to do in me? What are the things that you want to prune? What are the things that you want to cut Mm. uh, so that I can grow in fruitfulness, so I can grow in becoming like you? Yeah. and so I think like if we were to go to one end of the spectrum by being self-led and not listening to anybody in our community or anybody in your fear, you can be victim to your own heart, or your own, the own darkness of your own heart. 
So I want to stop you. I want to stop you. Because we want to, we want to break it into these two ideas that we had is that uh, we can be self-led and we can be community-led. There's a healthy side and an unhealthy side to both of those things. And that's what we see is like ways that we follow in his footsteps, that we follow like in his rhythms. Like we don't, I don't just learn things, but I actually follow in his rhythms. Like Matthew 11 talks about in the message, he says like, follow my unforced rhythms of grace. So following in his footsteps means following his rhythms. We see those as two different areas. We've been talking about all oh, these two different areas that we think are key. And there's more things, but these two areas are being community led and being self-led. So be, being able to be pruned in community and being able to be pruned in our own self, our own walk with just us and the spirit. Okay. So let's go back to self. Yeah. Sorry. Um, jump the gun there. So I guess the, yeah, the issue of being totally self-led with just you and Jesus, which sounds pure and sounds like utopian. Um, so there's a healthy side and an unhealthy side. Yeah. This is an unhealthy side of being yeah. just self-led. Um, you can fall victim to our own dark hearts and where it wants to lead us. And I think that that's important to recognise that our hearts are uh, yeah, <laughs> and um, if we're relying on on that, we can go anywhere we want to go. Um, on the other side, if we're totally community led, then we tend to um, maybe identify ourselves with a certain community member, and we are or a doctrine that's run in that community, or a, um, aligning ourselves with a, a popular person or for yeah. the victim as well. You know, so. Um, they're, they're, in my view, that's when I was like reflecting on um, how they those two interact. I'm like, that's probably the downsides to both, and they're extremes. But we'll find that along that spectrum, we will, might lean more to community or more to our own understanding or our own interpretations of things. And so, we might, some might think it's not bad, just you and you and God, and and just you and God and against the rest of the world. Um, but I know that in my life that I I check and balance the things that I hear from the Holy Spirit and making sure that um, the scriptures reflect that and that the people that I go to, I run past, run, run it by them mm. um, to go, this is what I'm thinking, this is the thread that I'm thinking, this is what's speaking to me, what do you think? Um, which is scary because it's hard to hear that. Got it wrong. <laughs> so there's an unhealthy side to both of those things. Yeah. I can be like, if I'm totally led by my community, I can be, I'm swayed every which way. I do whatever the, the hot thing is at the moment. If it's like, oh, sweet, everyone's into reading their Bible, I'm doing that. Yeah. But then if everyone's into, oh, let's go out and have a, too many bevies, it's like, well, I, mean, I do that too, because I'm just, I'm totally led by the community. But on the other hand, if I'm just led by myself, it's like, well, my relationship with God is just between me and God, but not between anyone else. It's like I have no one speaking to me and my ego becomes, it can become inflamed yeah. because actually our heart is wicked is what you're saying. Yeah, and I guess the community side is not so much just doing whatever the community is doing. It's almost aligning yourself with where the community is going, you know. And so that's almost just as bad as following your own heart because sometimes there needs to be times where, like Jesus said to Peter, like, get behind me, Satan. And I was reading that. I'm like, who can say, Dan, get behind me, Satan? Yeah, Sheree. Sheree can. <laughs> um, she won't say Satan, but 
Yeah. She'll <laughs> say Daniel. And I, I think that was a serious question that I asked. Who can actually say, get behind me? That's not what God has for you. And am I, am I willing to look at that or am I just going to dismiss it as soon as someone says it? Now, I'm not just saying as if um, any one of you say Daniel the devil or you're, uh, you are advocating for Satan that I'm going to change my ways. I'll take that to my... <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. So this is a healthy side yeah. of being yeah. community-led. This is a healthy side of maybe what that might be like being in a connect group, being with friends who are believers this is what it might be healthy. But what would that look like? Can you give me a, a practical or a, even an example? Like, what would that look like? Obviously, I'm not going to say to, you know, Sarah and Hosanna in my connect group, and I'm like, man, they really are messing up. I'm not going to say to them, get behind me, Satan. But what would it look like for someone to have the, actually have that attitude and for someone then to, you know, it's to, to, you, want, you need to have the attitude where I can receive that, and you also need to have the attitude where I'm bold enough to give that. And we might, people might fall on different side of those spectrums, like, oh. They're really bad at one and better at the, you know what I mean? Yeah. So in my in my life, this is a real life example. I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable. I work with the, my shift partner who I spend 12 hours a day with. I take a lot to him and we talk about everything all the time, constantly talking about our hearts, where, where it's at. He's a believer and a strong believer and had a huge influence on me. And I was talking about church his place with him and uh, he actually I he actually rebuked <laughs> he rebuked me in the in the way that I wasn't talking about this place in in a good way because I was going through some hurt how did he do it because we have a strong relationship <laughs> and we've built that up and we've been intentional about it and um, he prayed for me he put our tools down the car because he stopped straight away and he's like i believe this is happening in your heart and he pointed out the thing to me and it's kind of funny when you know kind of know when the lord's speaking to you especially with a relationship like that what is a what does a heart look like that's open to that well i can i could actually hide the things that i didn't have to tell him that stuff so i'm open to um, even the darkness that I'm feeling or the thinking. And he, he was able to speak to that because I was willing to look at it. Because I might say, you know, I might say, yeah, I'm open to people. Yeah, yeah. I'm open to people speaking mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, speaking to me. Go for it. Yeah. You know yeah. What I mean? yeah. It's like, no, I'm, I'm totally open. I'm like, I love when people challenge me. It's yes. like, but am I really, you know what I mean? Yeah. Am I really? Like, and so, I think yeah, I, yeah. I can see that and I can see that in me, but I can see how I, we can say we are, but then what is it really look like? And, I, and am I really aware? There's times where I, I say I am and then 10 minutes later someone's like, oh, hey. And it's like, no, that's not right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's actually you say you are, but then actually are we, are we really? Yeah, I guess the, but in that moment where we stopped the car, he's praying for me and he's asking me to pray back and I can't because I'm in a dark place. And so right, right there I've got someone who loves me that much. You can see what's going on. And he's still chasing after me. And so I'm, I'm benefiting from, because it's, I'm getting emotional. I always get emotional. It's nothing new. But um, that's someone there who's actually I'm discipling with, who I'm enjoying um, and benefiting. I wasn't enjoying it at the time, but I'm benefiting from the things that Christ has taught him, you know. 
and his disciplines and his discipleship rhythms and his um, his expression of love to me just wasn't it's not easy and so he was willing to not put that on the line because we're very very good friends but it was easier it's easy just to keep driving it's easy for me not to say anything and it's easy for him just to keep driving just like oh this might be awkward but he desires to see my heart changed right and so i'm benefiting from that his his love for christ extends beyond himself to me his desire to see jesus move in you is more than his desire for to you know escape an awkward moment yeah and so or, this is yeah. where the balance between self-led and community-led kind of meets because it's happening all at once and it was a beautiful thing because hmm. the stakes are high like the stakes are high in that moment not that i was saying that anything serious but it was that can be the start of a, a thread or a theme in my life that actually gets stopped and we read scripture about it and we there's healing and restoration and and all that kind of thing so yeah it's kind of a, a really powerful moment that we had and he forced me to pray because <laughs> I, I had to say the words and he was feeding them to me mm. Of how well, it should be. It's mm, great, man. <laughs> um, those are the kind of relationships that we want to be in, right? Mm. Everyone, I think, no one hears that. And it's like, well, that sounds that sounds like bad news. Everyone wants to be in those kinds of relationships, but um, those are infrequent, right? It's not like uh, yeah, not everyone here is like I would. I would. I would imagine. Most people here would say would would you would might not even be able to name one person where they could be like that. Yeah, because a lot of times our close friends are just people we get on with and can joke around with. And be like, yeah. yeah, we had to have fun. Yeah, what does it look like for relationships to go from I can just have fun with this person and it's like that's like the beginning of a good friendship where it's like oh we just have fun we're mates we have the same interests you know we both like basketball or whatever it is. What does it look like for a friendship to go from being mates to, you know, that surfacey down to where you, what you're talking about, this relationship with your work partner? What, how, do, how do you get from there to there, to that deeper section? Well, I guess I've had the benefit of time with him and I've met him uh, as a 16-year-old. And but it's got to be more than time. I've had the benefit of time. Got the benefit of time, sorry. Yeah, yeah. But essentially he has seen me from a teenager going forward and he hasn't, God's put him on my heart and he said that. Even when I left that place and I've come back, he's, I was always on his heart and always praying for me. And, and so he, I don't know, I just had a, and that's I guess him following the promptings of, of the Holy Spirit on his heart. And I guess we can be that for each other. Like he, he wants me to see me grow and see me pruned. And I guess what, what is the purpose of being in a, in a Christ-led community? And what, what do you think it is? Is it just to be fed or to feed others as well? Mm. What do you mean by that? Is it just to be fed or is it to feed others? Um, I guess. I think, I, th- I don't think you're saying, I don't think you're saying it means just to serve is what I mean. It's like a lot of people are, oh, I serve. Like, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah. I think you think you mean it's more than that. What do you, yeah. what do you mean? Um, I think I, as a, a community member of the granary, I have a call and we all do to, I guess, help this 
community to a path towards Christ. And I have a part to play in that. Yeah. And so just like my shift partner, he has a part to play in my life and we all have a part to play in that mission, that command, because we're commanded to do it. And while at first we will be, we'll like being served, but there's a moment where God's calling you to serve as the line moves. Yeah, because there's an element of suffering with, with serving. And so there, there's a scripture that says like arm yourself with the sufferings of Christ. And so I have to look at how much suffering can I bear for him? You know, it's, I've got to lay my life down for him. You know, what's the purpose of it? We talked so this a bit about what does it mean to be community, to lead, to be in a community-led, to being pruned in community. What does it mean to be pruned in our self, our own, just one-on-one walk? In my, in my life, I don't, and I'm just speaking, like I said, from my own reflection, um, the questions and desires of my heart, I don't actually like to let them go or sweep them under the car. But I'm, I like to identify those things, right? Even if it's an offence that I have or a, a question on my heart of things I don't understand, I seek and desire to know that, right? But that can be also a stumbling block because I also need to be humble enough with the answer. <laughs> Yeah. Even if I don't necessarily think that it's fair or I agree, but I need to be molded by him. I need to be more like him. So if if it's almost like oh he's it's almost like he's the answer, how do I get there? It's like having a like not a math equation because it's not. So you you might have the answer and you've got the equation you've got to figure out. So I kind of that's how I kind of well I've got to get to that place where I'm fully devoted to Christ and laying my life down and joy in the suffering and desiring after Him and like how do I what's stopping me from getting there almost you know and so I continually in myself have that desire to want to figure that out or know where the next thing is that God wants to work on me where's my what's my next conviction that Christ has for me. In the, um, you know, a lot of you guys might have done these studies we've been doing. And in the first one, there's like this, you're, it's, by, it's all around the passage of, um, this is, and this is what Dan wrote, this one. And it was about, the passage was, you know, this guy, these guys come to Jesus and like, we want to follow you. And he's like, a man, like a fox has no hole and a yeah. man that doesn't, doesn't have anywhere to sleep. And then there are, another guy's like, we want to follow you. And he's like, but we have to bury our dad. And they're like, Bury your dad yourself, like, or say, don't like leave your dad. You know, yeah. something he says. Yeah, it's so like, it's like it sounds de- really harsh, you know. The, yeah, so he wants to bury his father. He's like, the dead will bury the dead. <laughs> the dead will bury the dead. Like it's, and it come sounds on, like, whoa, Jesus, that is come and, yeah. and the question that we like go into reading that passage that you wrote was, as we read this passage, identify any offenses that come up, because it's like the natural response is like, oh, this is. That's like, we, why are you doing, you know, it can, it's, a, it's an offensive passage. How do we get to a place where we can identify offenses when, like, when they come up? What is it being, like, and that's self-led because it's like I'm yes. self-aware of, like, what the Spirit's saying and doing and well, my own emotions, how my own emotions are responding to people and God. How do I become self-led that I can be aware, identify offenses, like you said, in that, yeah. in that thing? So I haven't, I haven't broached this with Sheree, so... Apologize. <laughs> she might say, get behind me. I find that when we're serving and those questions come up of like, oh, when's enough enough? Or are we doing, is it too much? Or 
why the heck are we doing this stuff? You know, like it's kind of like, and they're, and they're the, the things that rise up within us and we will talk about it and flesh it out and I'll ask questions and, and I want to know what the condition of my heart is towards this task that is laid before me and I kind of know what it should be and I know what it is and I'm trying to identify. And so as being open to your, your own darkness, if you know what I mean, and willing to look at it because it's easy not to. And we might think, oh, we're, we're doing too much anyway. Or why did we say yes to this? And so I guess we've got to look at why are we asking that question? Is this uncomfortable for us? Are we tired? Are we, you know, and so when we come up with excuses like, oh, we've done enough already, what does Christ want us to do? He wants us to lay down a whole life and give him everything. And so how is that meant to play out? in all seriousness with three kids and a family and, and all of our relationships that we have. And, and so am I willing to give up my relationships for Christ? Am I willing to, if he has that for me, am I willing to go there? Or is that too much for me to bear? And so they're, they're all uncomfortable questions that you can ask yourself um, and that I'm sensitive to and I'm not afraid to ask myself them questions. I'm actually more afraid of the answer. And once I identify it, that's when the real hard thing comes because I've got to do something about it. There is a response. And so that's how I play that out in, in our life and well, in my life. And I try and teach my kids and that they're the same. And, and Shereen and I do it together. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's awesome. Humility, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we might move into some dinner. And we can discuss, just discuss these things around our tables over dinner together. Um, I'll pray for that. Mim's saying, oh, oh, once I finish praying, if you're, if you're one of the people that marked on the thing that you're a veggie, because we got like big old heaps of, of flaming hot meat. Uh, if you are a veggie, raise your hand because there'll be flaming hot pieces of something else. Eggplant. Eggplant. So, uh, but we will start bringing that out soon. But any any finishing thoughts that you want to? Uh, yes, I do actually. I yeah. just thought of something yeah. um, that I've also asked myself: is what what's the purpose of my fellowship with those around me? And that's a big question, um, and one that yeah, my shift partner laid on me. And there's a scripture in one John that says that our fellowship is to be a fellowship in the light, as Christ is in the light. And if it's not, it's nothing, you know, like there's no purpose to it. And so I guess I try and um, anyone that we interact with, our desire is to be in the light. And so I would ask each and every one of you to have a think about what your fellowship, so fellowship is what's your relationships about in this community. And are they fellowships that are pulling each other into the light? Yeah. We want a fellowship in the light want to be where the light is and nowhere else. And so that's essentially our, our desire is to be in the light. So I encourage you to think about your friendships, what motivates them, your um, yeah, relationships you even you have with your family, friends, workplace, everywhere you go, what is the purpose of that fellowship? And um, I try and gear all those to being in the light. Do you want to pray for us and, and say grace? 
Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for your greatness and your authority and your desire after us, Lord. I pray that we can um, match that desire to you and I pray that you know through our fellowship and our actions that we love you and that we desire to be like Christ. Holy Spirit, we invite you to help us examine our hearts and examine our lives and show us the next thing that you have for us. Convict us of the thing and remind us of the thing that you're convicting us right now. Lord, speak to us and lead us and may we respond with humility and um, and a contrite heart. I thank you for the provision of this food tonight and the team that has organised it and put it together. We pray that you bless them and we pray that this night will be for you and we will grow closer to you and be pruned by you. Amen. Amen.